Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. Today's episode is inspired by another great listener note I received in the call for lessons learned from Edit Your Life last fall. The listener writes, Hello, Christine. I wanted to send a message of gratitude. I started listening to the podcast in the thick of my mid-30s in new parenthood and the first years of my career out of medical training. I can't communicate to you how comforting, supportive, and uplifting your work has been through what can potentially be times full of self-doubt and comparison. I recently went back to binge listen a bunch of older episodes this fall and was constantly floored by how many tips in parenting and time management I seamlessly adopted over these years, and I quickly remembered from re-listening where I got these amazing tricks. I really had to pause to reflect on how many cool little life habits I had picked up all from this incredible podcast. Apologies, I'm having trouble picking just one. Lots of delicious simplified meals, editing of extracurriculars, and self-compassion all around, thanks to Edit Your Life. Many thanks for your amazing work. Sincerely, Amanda. Amanda, what a beautiful letter. I'm deeply grateful to you for writing and thought it was the perfect time to bring an episode out of the archive. This conversation with Nancy Davis Coe, author of The Thank You Project, Cultivating Happiness, One Letter of Gratitude at a Time, was just the medicine I needed, and I think it will serve you all as well. Let's have a listen. Hello, Edit Your Life friends. I am so delighted and ready to be instilled with happiness to talk to Nancy Davis Coe today. Hello, Nancy. Hello, Christine. Thanks so much for having me on. Let's hear about your um, professional trajectory that has led you to become an author and a podcaster. Well, I'll give the very Reader's Digest version uh, that the summary of which could be, you can do whatever you want at whatever age you want, because I spent the first uh, 17 years of my career doing international business, which I loved. I, from the age of 14, I wanted to have an international career and 
Uh, ended up getting a couple of degrees in that field and work doing international product management and traveling all over. And then the children came and I thought, uh, yes, oh, the children, God, I don't want to travel anymore. <laughs> so that started the, the, the slow pivot. And around the time I turned 40, I was thinking, you know, I've always told people that if I could do anything, I'd want to be a writer. Maybe I should write something that could be a way I try it out. And long story short, uh, I ended up moving out of the business career and becoming a freelance writer. And at this point now, 13 years later, I balance the two. I still do consulting in the digital content world, um, but I am I'm able to do the writing that I love. So um, just I, what something I always say to younger people is you can do one career and then you can do another career. You're not stuck. So I didn't realize that when I was 25, I thought I would always do the, what I started off doing. And it's such a relief to know that you're not tied to it forever. Isn't it? So, it, it is amazing. Yes. And I, I think it's re- freeing. I feel like, yes. the, I feel like young people are so, they put too much pressure on themselves to think they have to pick the right thing. No, pick a thing and then pick another thing. So yeah. what happened as I turned, as I approached, you know, 50 was that I, was looking around and thinking about how fortunate I was. You know, I really, I was, I had found that balance with work and and my creative career. My parents were around, you know, I've been married to my husband forever. Um, we mm-hmm. have two girls who are healthy. And I thought, you know, I need to acknowledge this. I'm coming up to 50, which is a pretty big milestone for a lot of people. And I want to um, kind of take a measure of where I am. And the thing that felt right to me was to, send thank you letters to everybody who had helped me in a significant way up to that point in my life. It was kind of a reflective time. And so Mm -hmm. I thought what I would do is one week every year of the year I was going to turn 50, which was 2016, I would write one letter to someone who had helped or shaped or inspired me up to that point. And it was really all about a celebration of how everything was going so great in my life. And when you tell the universe that everything's going great in your life, oh yeah, you can bet the universe is like, huh, is that so? Yeah. So it ended up uh, being a kind of, it was a tough year. I, I my dad, um, I, I lost my dad suddenly. Um, my older daughter moved away to go to college for the first time. And, you know, obviously that's not a negative thing, but she goes to school on the East Coast. I live in California. So it was a big adjustment. And it was the 2016 presidential election, which Uh was a little bit contentious. Uh So it was an interesting thing to me throughout that year, just when my shoulders would be almost up to the top of my ears. And, you know, I would be feeling so dark and sad, I would think, okay, wait, I've got to write one of my thank you letters. And I would sit down and just think of how does my friend Andrea help me? Oh, she always, you know, picks up my kids after school when they were, you know, she picked my kids up after school when they were little, if I couldn't. So I never had to worry about that. Or she always compliments my hair, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm, these small mm -hmm. things that people in our lives do that really improve the way we move through the world. And I would sit down and write a letter to a friend or a family member or a boss or whoever it was. And I would find myself feeling so much better at the end of that time. And it, I didn't have to mail the letter to feel better. I mailed most of the letters, but um, just writing the letter, just expressing that gratitude felt like such a reset for me that I realized how powerful it was um, it took me longer than a year to write my 50 letters. I think after my, after I lost my dad, I was kind of out of commission for a little while. So it ended up taking me about a year and a half to do the 50 that I had set as a goal. 
Um, but in retrospect, it was so, it was such a valuable practice for me that, um, uh, when someone suggested to me that I write a book to tell people how to do this, I was so excited to do it because I know it works. And mm -hmm. in writing the book, the cool thing was I got to dive into the science of why it works. So it's not just yes. my theory. I got yes. some, I got some backing. So that's yes, kind of how it all came together. That's wonderful. And we will get to some of that science in, in, um, a little bit later, but yeah, just to, um, share with listeners and this will be in the notes, but this new book is called the thank you project, cultivating happiness, one letter of gratitude at a time. And, you know, I loved it. I, I, I want to loop back. I actually think people obviously should just go buy the book and they need to read the introduction themselves. But I would love if you could speak a little bit to the letter you read, uh, the letter to your dad that was mm -hmm. framed. And, yep. you know, it's power in the face of his unexpected death. Like literally when I turned the page and was like, oh, my God, yeah. he died. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I was really overwhelmed with feeling. So do, do you mind sharing a little bit about about that story here? Of course. And I'll say, girl, me too. I was pretty overwhelmed. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, the first the first two letters were to my mom and dad because I have great I had great parents. I was super lucky. So my mom's got dementia. Um, but my dad, when he and I think my mom got it, by the way, I you know, I, I read it to her, too. But when my dad got his letter, he's he was mom's caregiver he was so excited. It was really cute. He called me and he's like, oh, Nance, I loved it. I loved it. I framed it. I put it up over my desk in my office. And, you know, that which was such a, a dad thing to do. Of course he did that. So um, about six months later, this is the opening scene in the book. I'm sitting there at my dad's desk reading the letter that he's framed. And the reason I'm sitting at his desk is because I'm writing his eulogy. Mm -hmm. um, he was he fainted on a golf course one day. Six weeks later, we had his funeral. I mean, no, we did not know so this awful. was coming. He was 81, but he was a really robust guy, um, which is, I think, why he uh, he basically gave brain cancer the finger until the very, very end, because mm -hmm. he was not going to let it, you know, interfere with his plans. But the thing that I realized was that the letter laid out for my dad why I was grateful to him, why I loved him, all the little things that he'd done you know, I really tried in each letter to include specifics about mm -hmm. what exactly you, you know, the recipient had done to help me. And so I'd laid that all out for my dad. So the last, the six weeks between his diagnosis and his death, I never had to worry that he didn't know mm -hmm. how grateful I was to him. Mm -hmm. I was, I, I, you know, I helped, I was there for, mo for four of the six weeks. He was in hospice at home. You know, we, we all worked together. My I have wonderful siblings and we all worked together to help him. But the peace of mind that I got in knowing that he had read that letter when he was still healthy and sound was huge. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. And it, it really, you know, that was for an elderly parent, but every relationship you have is fragile and some it, it they're all fragile, you know, they're mm -hmm. all miracles and they're all fragile. So mm. by writing a letter and acknowledging something to somebody, you don't, you don't have to look back later and say, I wish I'd told them X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, man. Well, you know, my condolences, because I know that, you know, even though that was, it, you know, that was a while ago, like it still is always hard to lose a parent, right. no matter what age you are. So um, and what an incredible, beautiful gift that was, you know, speaking of, you know, framing the letter, which I just think is so adorable. And it's it's such that keepsake. It's very element. on brand for my father. It's so sweet. <laughs> it just I love it so much. And um. 
you know, you write in the book about how you ultimately bound your book of letters. And mm-hmm. um, I think you said you kept it on your bedside or just somewhere easily accessible. And um, talk about why that has been an important touch point for you. It was it was one of the many things, Christine, that I didn't see coming. You know, when I started this, I was like, oh, I'm going to write some thank you letters. But as I wrote them, uh, so what I did, I had a Word document because my handwriting is terrible now because okay. It's 2019. Uh, apologies to Mrs. Dyer, my second grade teacher, who taught me such beautiful cursive. But um, I typed each letter. It was one page in a Word doc. And so every Friday, I would just you know start a new page and write a new letter. So at the end of my project, I had all the letters. I kept copies of them. And I say in the book, it doesn't matter whether you type it or handwrite or whatever you do, keep a copy. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I had them bound together, you know, just at a copy shop, nothing fancy. And it is amazing because, first of all, I have a physical book that's 50 pages long of people who did nice things for me. And the tactile heft of a book like that to tell you, even if you never open, if you just glance at it, to remind you of how many people have supported you in the past is really powerful. And I do. I, I It's on my night. It still is. I was actually looking at it yesterday. It's on my nightstand having a bad day, you flip it open and you think, oh, my aunt was so nice to me that one time. (laughs) Or, you know, Mm -hmm. oh, that that boss I had was really great the way they promoted me into a job I didn't think I was ready for or whatever it is. And I think in this age of digital communication, where everything feels, a lot of our communication feels ephemeral, the actual physical artifact of these letters is important. I think it's a, an important part of this of this undertaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I have to admit, I actually my eyes are a little leaky right now just listening to you <laughs> talk about that. So, well, that's very interesting. Um, <laughs> so, I just think that's so wonderful. Um, you know, and I just I I couldn't agree more how powerful that is to, you know, just have these bound letters. I think it's so wonderful. Well, I have a ton more I want to talk to you about, and we will get to that after a quick break. As you know, I am all about micro improvements. And if you'd like to dedicate a little time each day to learn a language, I have a great solution for you. Babbel is a science-backed language learning app that offers 10-minute language lessons designed to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Materials are rooted in real-life situations, so you can learn important basics such as ordering food and asking for directions. Babbel offers personalized learning content, real-time feedback, tracking, and visualizations, and their speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. No matter what level you are looking for, casual, intense, or something in between, you can enjoy app lessons, podcasts, and live classes from the comfort of your home on your schedule. Here's a special limited time deal for Edit Your Life listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for Edit Your Life listeners at babbel.com slash edit. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash edit. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash edit. Rules and restrictions may apply. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin but decreases gradually as we age? leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, 
which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Okay, friends, we are back with the wonderful Nancy Davis Co. who made me get a little eye leaky in the eye before the break. So, you know, I had a chance to go compose myself. So thank you, Nancy. Um, <laughs> you were just chopping onions at the console. Come this on. This is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, the first topic I want to dive into, we, I sort of, we foreshadowed that it was coming, but we have a lot of nerd listeners. Yay. And I'm a nerd. I'm a former Yay. neuroscientist. So let's start talking about science. I love that you lay down some science in your intro. And I think the reason especially not just being a nerd and a former neuroscientist, is that people hear all the time, yeah, gratitude is a good thing. So I love that there's some hard evidence around it. So could you just talk us through a few like quick points or, you know, a main point or two about why, um, about the science with gratitude? Well, first of all, thank you for letting me nerd out on the gratitude, because this was when I got the proposal together to write the book, I said, I want the science in there because A, I love I love reading about stuff like this. And B, I didn't want people to read the book and think, well, that was what her experience was. Good mm. for her. You know, mm. I really wanted the book to feel inclusive and grounded in reality. So the wonderful news is that here up uh, up this road a little bit from where I live in Oakland, California, is the Greater Good Science Center at Berkeley, yes. Yes. which is a terrific resource for the science uh, of positive psychology. Um, so, and I know a couple of folks who work out of that out of that department. Um, so I was able to really dive into some of their research and realize that I had stumbled onto a magic solution for people feeling isolated and people feeling um, disconnected and unhappy. Gratitude is really physiologically and psychologically such an important way to, to attain higher levels of happiness. So here are a couple of things that I learned that I thought were, you know, fascinating. First of all, um, that an ongoing practice of gratitude basically rewires the brain to look for positive perceptions of other people. And the and you know this, I'm sure, mm-hmm. this phrase, the neurons that fire together, wire together. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. My degrees are in international business. How am I supposed to know that? Uh, <laughs> but basically, you can train yourself to have more positive perceptions of the, th- of the world around you by having positive perceptions of the world around you. So in practical terms, that means if I'm writing a gratitude letter this week, I'm going to spend the week, in my, in my case, and I say this all over the book, as hopefully you will attest, this is what I did. You can do whatever you want. Nobody's looking over your shoulder. But in my case, what worked well was to do a week, at you know, one letter a week. And I would spend the whole week sort of thinking about whoever was going to get the letter that week, you know, and I would... M- think back to the different times we'd spent together. And I would try to think hard about how that had changed me. And what I was doing unwittingly was reminding my brain to look for the positive attributes of the people who I knew. Mm -hmm. And once you do it the first time, it's easier to do the second time. It's easier to do the third time. And I talk Mm. about an example in the book of a woman who I interviewed who wrote a hundred gratitude letters in a hundred days. And I said, I, I mean, I don't know how, 
because some day, some weeks it felt hard to write one gratitude letter just to fit it into the schedule. But she said that pace worked beautifully for her because she got really sharp at looking around every single day and finding something to be grateful for because she knew she had to write a letter about it. Mm-hmm. So there's re- really something to this notion that you're sort of training your brain to think differently. And the other thing that I thought was so interesting, I got a chance to interview Christine Carter, Dr. Christine Carter from the Greater Good Science Center. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how gratitude works as a reset button. So we're in fight or flight mechanism. We're in fight or flight mode so much of the time, um, whether it's because we've heard a horrible story on the news or we're in a traffic jam or, you know, I live in Northern California, the power's out and a wall of flame is descending. You know, a lot of us feel so anxious all the time. And what gratitude does is, you know, just an authentic expression of gratitude. And this can be writing a letter. It can also just be thinking grateful thoughts about somebody. Mm-hmm. It acts to reset your parasympathetic nervous system and it, uh, you know, gives you this feeling of calmness, feeling of centering, and it and it resets you basically from being in flight or flight mode all the time. So, you know, it's it's such a good habit to get into. And the letters really are just kind of a tool for doing that uh, or an excuse for doing that, you know. Right. So those were the things I thought, you know, it. it it, it it interested me that the science mirrored exactly what my experience was. I knew that if I sat down every week and wrote the letter, I would feel better afterward. And I always did. That's, that's awesome. I, I really, I, I love it. And we'll, we'll get to, a, there are a number of things I want to ask you about, but actually, you know, your, um, your comments about the, the science um, actually lead me to the next thing I wanted to ask about. You know, when you're in the book, you frame out some tactics around letter writing projects mm-hmm. and how to get started, um, which is really, which is so interesting for me to read because it, if I thought about, oh, okay, I can, yeah, sure, I can just do that. But, and I wouldn't have thought through the steps the way that you laid them out, which is, so it was just very fascinating to read it. And one thing that caught my eye was you wrote about not sending letters. So mm-hmm. looping back to what you just said about, you know, how it was just such a powerful exercise in and of itself to write the letters. Um, talk about why, you know, it can still be powerful a, a little bit about, um, you know, it can still be a powerful exercise, even though you don't send the letters. And I guess that's connected to the science. But did you find that personally with some of your letters that you ended up not sending? Absolutely. And just to give you the, the um, you know, the, science, the scientist's view of this, Dr. Carter explained that the gratitude benefits, the increased happiness benefits come from expressing the gratitude, not having the gratitude received necessarily. Mm-hmm. In other mm-hmm. words, just writing the letters, you've already done, you know, you've already uh, done your brain a favor. It's already helped you to look for those positive perceptions again. Handing it over to the recipient is kind of gravy on top, and it really works on them more so than it works on you. Mm-hmm. Um but I would okay, well, let me say this. So I had written letters to family and friends, and the more you write, the more you kind of think about, well, you know, if my rubric is somebody who helped or shaped or inspired me, that also came through negative examples. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm a pretty good manager now based on this one lousy boss I had in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And that is that's worthwhile of that's worthy of acknowledging. I don't necessarily want to share it with that person. I also had some 
you know, ex-boyfriends who, let's face it, I, I lived in Germany after college. That was my first job. And I had a, a boyfriend there. It, things didn't work out. But man, he was so helpful come tax time in Germany because I could never understand what the heck I was supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I would not have been able to stay in Germany as long as I had without his support. So I realized, oh, I can write the letters. I know I'm going to feel good after writing the letter. I just don't need to send it. Mm-hmm. So then then the list started getting crazy. And, it, you know, I so I added people like that, you know, former friends, people with whom I was no longer in contact, but who had been very important to me at some previous period in my life. And then, of course, you know, then the floodgates were open because I'm like, wait, I could write a letter to Jane Austen. <laughs> I could mm-hmm. write a letter to, you know, the live music industry. And uh, that, again, just kind of, uh, it was a really joyous part of the project, to be honest, because I felt like it gave me a chance to revisit old relationships, take the good out of them, and let the rest go. It really was a gateway into forgiveness in a, in a lot of ways. Um, that All that being said, and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about it, but I will say this you should send the letters as often as you can because being on the receiving end of one of these letters is amazing. And I know that because some of the people who I wrote to wrote me back. Mm. Um, And Mm -hmm. to get one of these out of the blue that tells you how valued you are in somebody else's life is amazing. It's what a gift to give somebody. So if you're on the fence, it's fine. Nobody's looking over your shoulder. You don't have to send a single letter, but I would encourage you to do it because in fact, that was, that's some of the research I found too, that I thought was interesting that people who express gratitude via the act of writing letters significantly underestimate how surprised recipients are going to be about why they were grateful. And they, oh, they yeah. worry okay. that people will feel awkward and it, it really never, it doesn't happen. It really doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. send the letters if you can. Yeah, I th- I think it's I'm and I think it's important. I well, I guess I'll say yes. I think it would be wonderful to receive a letter back, but I think it is important for people, you know, as you've touched on, to just you know the exercise is sending it. And I've had definitely right. had um, some experiences where um, I have had a couple of relationships that sort of went up and went up in flames. And recently, I guess in the last year or two. I just decided to, you know, write letters to those people wishing them well. You know, actually, you know, in one case, it was a woman from college who just uh, our relationship just exploded and um, she appeared in a dream and she appeared happy. And so I wrote her because that just the idea that maybe she was out there somewhere being really happy was felt mm-hmm. really good to me. So I have no idea if she even received it, but it did feel good to send it. Um, but speaking of, you know, relationships that go up in flames. Um, <laughs> I I don't don't know if this will be weird for you, but I would like to read a quote from your book. You write, forgiveness liberates us from dwelling over past hurts so we can spend more time seeing the good around us and allow ourselves to feel grateful. You know, related to this and um, the previous topic we were just discussing, I cannot plus one this enough. I have actually recently been dealing with some extremely painful things. And um, in fact, I recorded an an episode called Dumpster Fire Survival 101, should anybody (laughs) wish to listen to it. Um, I think everybody needs to listen to that. We've all had a dumpster fire or two to to relate to. Yeah, but a real um, moving piece or a part of what helped me move forward was that I have a document full of forgiveness statements. And I will never, yeah, I will never, well, Therapy helped me get to this place, but um, 
I'll never send them to the people involved because I am 100% sure they will not understand <laughs> what is happening. Right. But but that's not the point. Writing these forgiveness statements was crucial for me to move past the hurt and anger. So I would just love, you know, you talk in the book about forgiveness. Um, so I would love for you to talk about that connection to gratitude a little more. Well, who knew they were interrelated, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just writing thank you letters. What does forgiveness have to do with any of this? But then the very the first letter I wrote to my mom, I real I apologized right off the bat because um because I had this myth in my head that I had been the perfect child. I was the third of, you know, the the youngest of three, as was my mother. And we always said, Oh, we, you know, really relate to each other well. And I was like, Oh, my brother and sister were so tough in the teen years, but I was perfect. And while I was writing these letters, I had two teenage daughters. I know for sure I was not perfect now. <laughs> so I had to clear that out of the way and say, Mom, I don't think I ever apologized to you for being such a horrible human being in my teen years. And once I'd gotten that out of the way, then I felt that I could thank her for all the millions of things, you know, that she'd done for me. And it happened more than once where I felt like there was unfinished business. I needed to Mm -hmm. apologize for or make amends for it. You know, as you think about the good things someone's done for you, it makes you sometimes reflected. Have I been good enough to them? Have Mm -hmm. I been supportive enough to them? And you know, these letters over the long haul are designed to make you happier, but there may be moments that are a little painful or awkward and that's okay. You know, it's not something to avoid. I think it's something to kind of think through and by expressing your gratitude, you're putting a really lovely um, end cap on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it it was also, there was this, uh, there was this concept of me making amends to people, but there were also in some of the unsent letters um, places where I had, where I forgave somebody else. And the example that I think maybe you're, you know, maybe you're thinking of this one in the book, I had a friend who was one of my closest friends from sixth grade on all through the end of high school, really one of my very best friends. And after college, he stopped responding to me. And it was admittedly, it was the eighties and nineties. So it not everybody had cell phones and, you know, people barely had email in some cases. So it was a little harder to stay in touch. But even after that, you know, even after that period, he was not always in touch. You know, he he basically dropped me. He ghosted me. Mm-hmm. And I was really resentful about it because I felt like I had made efforts up to a point and then I stopped. But I knew he was still in touch with other friends of mine. And I really kind of held on to this resentment for a long time. And then when I was when I got to that point in the list where I was thinking of people who are no longer in my life, but who have who have been uh, helpful or supportive he was almost top of that list because in high school, when I really needed a friend, he was always there, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and um, he was just a really trustworthy friend at that point. So I thought, you know what, that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to write, I'm going to forget all this other stuff because I've got plenty of friends in my adult life. When I needed them in high school, he was there. So wrote a letter, didn't send it. A couple of weeks later, who reaches out? To get in touch. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I have never, he knows. So we're total. And and I don't think if he had done that and I hadn't thought through this whole concept of gratitude and forgiveness around him, I don't think I would have been so happy to hear from him. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I think I still would have felt resentful, but as it was, I thought I really gotten to the point 
where I thought, God, why did he stay friends with me in high school? I was such a dick, man. Like I, <laughs> I let him down all the time. He gave me good advice all the time and I ignored it to my peril all the time. So really I was like, wow, good for like, what a nice thing that he stayed friends with me for as long as he did. So that's kind of where I ended up with it. So that when I heard from him, it was great. And I was actually texting with him yesterday. I like we're totally back in totally back in sync. He's been out to he's met my family, you know, and um, so what I that was that was really cool. But I don't think I would have been ready for for it if if I hadn't gone through this exercise of forgiveness first. I, I love it. And um, I, I love the timing. It's just like the universe yeah. saying, OK, I think you're ready now to receive right. this person back in your life. Um, Here's something I just yeah. have to say this, though. So I did. He knows there's a letter. He knows there's a book. He's not going to read the letter. I'm never going to send it to him. But here's like, don't write a book about forgiveness letters that that include letters to people that you didn't send, because I did have to reach out to all those people and say, like, oh, hey, yes, right. <laughs> you might recognize yourself in the pages of this book that I've written. <laughs> Hi, it's me, Nancy. So that's awkward. Oh, man. Well, yeah, so interesting. Um, we have a lot more that I want to cover and, you know, many questions. And uh, Nancy, we will do that after a quick break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you struggle with boundaries and the general complexities of peopling? Relationships are necessary to our well-being and some relationships are just, well, complicated. A good chunk of the work I have done in therapy centers on relationships how to own my part of the story, how to let go of relationships that are toxic, and how to navigate challenging relationships in a way that doesn't drain me. And all of this work helps me show up better for myself and also as a partner, mom, friend, family member, and business owner. If you're thinking of starting therapy, check out BetterHelp. This online therapy platform was designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash edit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash edit. Especially in this digital age, since we're well beyond handwritten journals and letters to convey history, the preservation of stories is so important especially from the moms and mom figures in our lives. And if you've been looking for a way to collect those stories but aren't sure how to start, I have a recommendation for you. StoryWorth makes it easy. Every week, they email a loved one of your choosing a question prompt that you pick. For example, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? And what aspects of having children didn't turn out the way you expected? Your loved one responds to that email with a story of any length. You will receive copies of these emails as they are submitted, and after one year, StoryWorth compiles the stories and any photos provided into a keepsake book. A friend recently shared how moving it was that her mom gifted copies of her StoryWorth album to immediate family members, a genius idea for expanding the preservation and sharing of those stories to people in different households and generations. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com edit. That's storyworth.com edit to save $10 on your first purchase. Okay, friends, we are back with Nancy Davis Coe. We are talking about her new book, The Thank You Project, Cultivating Happiness, One Letter of Gratitude at a Time. It's like therapy in a book all rolled up for one. It's, <laughs> it's just so perfect. Um, 
So I would like to start the back half of this episode asking you something. Um, you know, I think that it reminds me that there's nostalgia involved with this project, obviously. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a potential trap sort of with a parallel to when you're moving and you unearth a bunch of memorabilia and then you just like all, everything grinds to a halt. <laughs> right. So in your book, you write, This exercise isn't about wistfulness and nostalgia. It's about taking a little time to dwell in the past as a useful means of taking stock of where we are now and reinforcing where we want to go in the future. So let's talk about this. Did you struggle at any point with this piece of the project, you know, and the the nostalgia element? You know, it's a good question. I, I don't feel like I struggled with it. I mean, certainly some of the letters I wrote were to friends I've had. There's one letter I wrote to a friend I've had for 50 years. <laughs> there was a lot of source material and there were a couple that I sent where I've known the person for 40 plus years. Um, so definitely a lot of material to wade through. And it was, and I, because of my sort of self-imposed rule that it needed to be some, I needed to only talk about things that really had impact. I mean, I have tons of memories with each friend, but not all of them are of equal weight when it comes Mm -hmm. to this kind of a letter. So it did mean a little bit of sifting, but I didn't find that to be, I didn't get stuck. I enjoyed it. I, you know, thought, God, I have so much, so much material here. Um, But, but early on in the, in the writing process, I think after my very first draft, um, I sent this out to a, a bunch of people to read because it was important to me that this book be as inclusive as possible. What the world does not need is a middle-aged white lady telling them this is how the world works. (laughs) So I really wanted to make sure I got a bunch of diverse viewpoints and reactions to the book so that I could tailor it and make sure that a lot of people felt represented in its pages. And other early readers, so a bunch of the early readers brought up this point and said, you know, what if I, I feel like you know, this, this is going to be something that I feel a little bit trapped in. And what I told them and what I tried to, the the reason I included that bit that you just read is, you know, it it's not a question of getting stuck. It's kind of a question of looking back and picking out the sort of cherry picking the moments that have helped you become who you are. Mm. So, you know, the, the thing is, this is a not, this is a absolutely um, customizable project. So if you are ever in a situation where you feel like it's uncomfortable, you're stuck, stop doing it. Just Mm -hmm. like pick something else. (laughs) There is, you are the boss of this. And the whole point of this exercise is to make you feel better, make you feel happier, make you feel more connected. If at any point that starts to feel like it's not going to be the outcome, um, course correct. You don't Mm -hmm. have to write a letter to that person or you don't have to write it and you know you don't have to do that kind of deep excavation if that's slowing you down or or not feeling comfortable i i just really um it's why i included other people's gratitude it, you know there it turns out there's a few other people who had done similar things and i wanted to just really show a wide array of experiences so so that people feel encouraged that what it, what feels right to them is is the right way to do it yeah i think that makes a lot of sense i mean we're all I, I immediately, as I was reading your book, I was thinking, okay, like, how would I structure this? What I, could I do mm-hmm. on a week? You know, so I think, it, I think you're right. You know, we have to make it something. And the point is to, to feel the positive effects of it. The point right. is not to make something that's going to make you feel terrible and stressed. <laughs> right. 
Well, I will give a piece of advice that comes out of the fact that my brother and sister and I are actually um, trying to clear out my parents' townhome in oh, upstate man. New York. And it's mm-hmm. taken us for, it's literally taken us um, two years now because they weren't hoarders. They just were really efficient packers. So every closet we open, we're like, oh my God, how did they fit so much stuff in here? So my brother came up with this brilliant <laughs> phrase called scope creep. Which yes. whenever we're all together, if I'm back in Rochester, we pick a room and we start working on it. And if one of us wanders out or comes back in with a painting or, you know, says, what should we do about the China? My brother yells, scope creep. Oh, we are God. here to do one thing. We are only working on this room today. So you can tell yourself, scope creep. I'm only trying to find, I'm trying to write a gratitude letter. I don't have to think about everything. Yeah, exactly. This reminds me, this is totally an aside, but I think you will appreciate that when my mother moved out of her home, uh, you know, and this was the home I had lived in, you know, right. since childhood. So it was it was full to the brim. And, you know, my father had mm-hmm. passed away and she was finally downsizing. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of ninja, you know, Korean move that you can pull when you have seven <laughs> children. But she she basically said to us, oh, yes. Um, so, yeah, that that time where, you know, the moving truck is going to come and stuff. I'm actually going to be in Korea. And also <laughs> so also for like the three weeks prior when the house has to be emptied. And you better believe all seven of us were there with our like, you know, dust masks and a giant dumpster. And I'm sure we threw away many valuable things accidentally, but it got the job got done. So that is one approach you could take, you know, if you're cleaning your parents, your parents do not live in the objects. That's my that's my piece of advice. It can all go. That's not where your parents live. Yeah. So, well, let's let's move on to the opposite side of family and the people you, you know, have known since childhood. In your book, you lay out how to tap into different, you know, letter writing people um, that you would include. And I love that it extends to people you don't necessarily know personally. Um, And the reason that this kind of resonated with me is because I have found sometimes that some of my greatest jolts of happiness are when I have a positive interaction with a stranger, like either somebody who helps me out in the world or someone I've helped out in the world. Mm -hmm. So I would love it if you have like, Do you have a story to tell about, you know, one of your favorite people? I don't know letters. I think I think that's such a great thing to point out, Christine, that universal jolt of of the way that gratitude connects people. And I love that you said that because it's it is it's uh, those moments you're like, oh, yeah, the world is a good place and Mm -hmm. we can't have enough of those moments. Now, the person I think with whom I to whom I wrote with the most unadulterated glee was Jane Austen. <laughs> oh, so you did, you did write that letter. Okay. Oh, I wrote that letter. <laughs> Not only did I write that letter, I cackled as I wrote that letter because if you guys, you know, you may be a neuroscientist nerd. I'm a Jane Austen nerd. And when I was thinking about, you know, help shape inspire, I, Jane has been my mm-hmm. companion since college. I was there, I was at the Wharton school sneaking classes in the English department. Do you think maybe that was a signal that I was heading in the wrong direction or that eventually <laughs> I was going to come back to English? But um, yeah, so I decided I would write a letter to Jane Austen. And what was f- so fun about writing that one is that I thought, well, I have to explain to her all the things that she wouldn't understand about 2016 that I'm going to be talking about in the mm-hmm. letters. So throughout, I'm like, oh, you know, and thank you for creating characters for some of my favorite movies. A movie is a blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it was just really That's ridiculous. Fun. But yeah. I had fun writing it. And I really do, you know, and and it was, you know, at this point, this was probably three quarters of the way or even a little further through the 
project, I knew that I was just going to enjoy the heck out of writing the letter and that that was okay. That's a good goal. Just having a happy half hour writing a letter to somebody who will never read it. You are you're firing on all cylinders. And so there was that letter. The other one. And and actually, I have not written this letter yet, but it's my it's on my Friday. So I always wrote these letters Friday evening right after work was done because it was kind of a nice way to segue into the weekend. I am writing a letter tomorrow to a bagel shop in Oakland because (laughs) this is the bagel shop that uh, makes the only East Coast style bagel in Northern California that I have found. I love it. I've tried them all. This is it. And the thing that's important about this bagel shop is my husband goes out and gets them for me on Sunday morning. So it's not just about delicious bagels. It's about this lovely sign I have that my husband is so sweet to me yeah. on Sunday morning. So, um, you know, I did I do say at the end of the book that uh, I, I didn't stop I, I, in writing the book. I thought, why did I stop writing letters? So I am back in the practice myself of writing the weekly thank you notes. So oh, that's wonderful. That is so wonderful. Friends, wasn't that just lovely? This conversation and the sentiment and science within really met me at a time of need. And for that, I'm so grateful. I'm also grateful to all of you for tuning into this show. You'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life, a review on Apple Podcasts, or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Bree. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Bree, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.